right, thank you for that. Everything has been good so far this morning. Uh, the singing and, and all the specials and so forth. And again, thank you for being here. One thing I forgot to mention, if you're uh, first time with us on your way out, if you'll stop at <coughs> excuse me, the information desk, uh, we have a little gift there for you. I think it's to get some coffee somewhere and just another way for us to say thank you for being with us. <coughs> if you'll leave your Bibles open to Deuteronomy, we are going to be looking at this passage of scripture. Of course, we are, <coughs> we are in our theme, in a sense, for the, new, for the new year. Now is the time. And we are just basically talk, touching on many different subjects uh, that are very important, particularly as we know the time is getting, the time is getting short. Uh, the Lord will be coming back soon, or if the Lord doesn't come back, you're going to be going to him soon, okay? And uh, so we want to take advantage of the time that God has given us. We want to live with a passion and an urgency for the things of God. Amen. And we want to make sure that we are, we are living our lives for Christ to the greatest extent that we can. You know, <coughs> I don't know about you, if I'm looking at what's going on in my life, the results that I'm seeing in every area, I, I prefer the positive results over the negative. I prefer the good over the bad. But if that's going to happen in my life, if that's going to happen in your life, then there's a process that must be followed. You see, all of us want good things. All of us want things to go well. But yet, <coughs> what we don't understand when we look at the trajectory of our life or how we're living our life or the direction of our life, there's a process that's going to get us to that point. Whether things turn out good for you or they turn out not so good, and you can pick the area, it's because of the process that we have followed. You see, you cannot choose the results that you want in life. <clears throat> you can only choose the process that will lead you to those results. Do you, how many of you like to cook or bake? Okay, I don't. I like the results. I like, I like to partake, right? Um, but if you like to cook, you have to follow a recipe, right? You, you want something, when you look at <coughs> food, you want something that, that smells good. You want something that looks good, right? I've seen these shows with my kids, you know, the cooking shows, the plating, you know, and look, everything's in its perfect spot. Well, if it tastes like garbage, you know, it doesn't really matter. But, but, but you, want, you want to have the right thing, and, and you put all that effort, and you put all that time. I always wonder, like, they put all this time cooking and eating, and you put the table, and 10 minutes later, it's done. I'm like, man, all that time for a Thanksgiving meal, and it's like, you know, all you got left is turkey bones. But, but the thing is, if you don't follow... The process, you don't get the right food. Right. And I'm not going to say, I could give illustrations. There's a couple times early in my marriage, my wife made something. Um, one time she made tortillas, homemade tortillas. My mother-in-law, she does that in her sleep. So my wife's like, oh, he likes, you know, new wife, right? Oh, he likes my mother, my mom's tortillas, I'm going to make some. And she, she made a meal, there's the tortillas sitting there. I noticed right off the bat that... It didn't look like my mother-in-law's. My mother-in-law's were kind of round and flat and fluffy. 
Hers kind of looked like, you know, the ground after a nuclear bomb. It was all over the map. And uh, I'm like, you know what? But it's cool. I, I don't care what it looks like. Are you with me? We're going for taste. And so she set it down there, and I got a glass of milk, and I took a bite, and I took a bite of tortilla, and I'm like, I grabbed that milk. It, it tastes like sand. Now, hold on. I'm not, she, she can cook. Don't worry. This is, this is 37 years ago. She was 12. I was 13. Um, <coughs> and, so, and so I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm a newlywed, right? And the last thing you say is, honey, this tastes like sand. You lie. How was it? Oh, it's good. It was really good. She goes, you want another one? I'm like, no, but can I get some more milk? And then she sat down, and she took a bite. And she's like, something's wrong here. It's like, well, you know, I thought it was a little bit different than the way your mom made it. The problem is she forgot one of the ingredients, <coughs> and it showed. But <coughs> if you want something to be right, you follow the right process. You follow the right path. We're going to see that in a second when it comes to what God wants to do in your life. Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, <coughs> the, 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 the word Deuteronomy means, you know, second. And what Deuteronomy is, it's a second statement of the law. In other words, if you follow through your Bible reading, you're probably getting close to Deuteronomy. I have my own Bible schedule I follow. <coughs> and I'm just about to get into Deuteronomy. But you read that. You've read the other law books. Now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And so God's like repeating the law to them. He's repeating what happened in the stories. And he's trying to prepare them to be ready to go into the promised land. So he's talking to them. He reminds them of the rejection that they had already made, which caused them to stay in the promised land 40 years too long. He reminded them of the consequences they had already paid in some of the situations where they didn't listen. But he also reminds them of the promises he made, that if they get into the promised land and they follow him, how things would, would, would turn out for them. And then he reiterates the warnings that once they're into the promised land, they have to follow him and do some things, and God will give them great blessings that they don't deserve. All of this is in preparation for their entrance to the promised land and them possessing the promised land. He had already told them that when they get there, they would be blessed. He told them that they can avoid the curses. He told them that in their battles, they would be victorious. He told them that they would not suffer defeats if they followed what he said. And he reminded them that they would have to follow him and reject idols. You see, if you read through that, <coughs> you were paying attention, God wants the best for them. God wants to bless them. God wants them to be fruitful and enjoy the promised land. He wanted them to have the right results, his blessings, victories, and a relationship with him. But there was a specific path or process that they would need to follow in order to guarantee that they got those results. Verse 15 of, of, of chapter 30, he said, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. And in fact, in one form or another, if you read through the chapter, three times God says, hey, I'm laying this out for you. It's your choice. So the results they would experience when they got into the promised land would be a result of the choices they made. If God says, I've set this before you, and here's two choices that are best, and here's two choices that are the worst, then what they experience would be determined on what choice they made. 
He made it clear in the verses before uh, chapter, the chapter we're in that they already had his words. Look at verse 10. <coughs> he said, If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul, for, thy, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it's not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. And he's just telling him, he says, look, I've already given it to you. I've given you my, my commands. I've told you what you need to do. It's right here for you, and I'm setting it up. Do you want this path, or do you want that path? Do you want this result, or do you want that result? So the results they were offered by God would not just come from having his word, now listen, but by following it. But by following it. If we're going to live the right way, now we have to choose to follow and keep God's words. Not just hold on to them. Well, I have a copy of the Bible, Pastor. Great. But what are you doing with it? I, I come to church and I hear some things that God says and that's great and thank you for being here. But are you committed to doing what it says? <clears throat> God said here are your options. Life and good. Death and evil. Now I get it. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I know this. I'll take life and good over death and evil any day of the week. I'll take the best over the worst any day of the week. I'll take God's blessings over, over the, the curses of this world any day of the week. And so he laid it out for them and said, listen, here it is, and it's all wrapped up in God's command. You know what? We don't have time in the days in which we live to be half-hearted about Christ. We don't. We don't. Why, look, if you're <clears throat> married and you have children and you're half-hearted, your marriage is at risk and your children are at risk. God doesn't want us to be half-hearted about anything. I, I, you know what? I struggle with that. I don't like, I, I don't like, I was going to say, I don't like people. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes that's true. You say, is it me, pastor? Anyhow, I don't like I, I just, I, I have, I struggle with people that are kind of half-hearted about things. Yeah. It's like, man, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. If you're in, get in. Yeah. Ladies, you get married or you're married, when you walk down that aisle, you didn't want the guy to say, you know, I'm kind of like a little bit in on this thing. You get three out of four days, and if you're lucky, maybe four days of the week. You don't want that. You want someone that says, I love you, I'm all in. God wants us to be all in on his commands. And so <coughs> looking at that, I want us to look at some principles and some things we need to understand about God's commands so that we follow them and we get the right results. Because I think sometimes we have the wrong mentality. All right, let's look at it. Number one, I want you to see this. It's an enjoyable command. It's enjoyable. Look at verse 16. In that I command thee <coughs> this day to love the Lord thy God. Amen. Now, commanding, imagine God having to command us to do something that's a no-brainer, right? It's like, love God. And we all say, well, well, duh. I love him. 
This command he's given us, <coughs> the one that's the, really the most important, is a command to love God. But here's the problem. We, are, we so easily twist love for God into something that's boring, that's a burden, when it's a blessing. Love is enjoyable, okay? You know, you got married, hopefully <coughs> you loved your spouse. And it's not like, well, just something I got to do. No, you, love, you enjoy being with them. You say, Pastor, that's not my marriage. Come see me. We'll work on that. You have children. What a burden these little brats are. Okay, I'm not saying it's easy, okay? I get it. 3.30 in the morning, stuff's running down their leg out of the diet. I get all that. But we love them. We don't look at, I got to love little Oswald. It's like, right? You know, it's like that little brat, and then they smile. And it's like, oh, man, look at that guy. Okay? And then they say you're Dada, right? I think all of our kids, I think Dada was the first thing all of them said except for Allison. Her first word was Baba. Like, okay, whatever. She had an addiction we had to work on. But come on, <coughs> nobody looks at love as something that's a burden. Don't we see that as a blessing? Don't we see that as, <coughs> I get to love this person, I get to love this thing. That's how love works, right? Think about what kind of stuff do you love, okay? I love my wife, most of the time, <coughs> all the time. I love coffee, every day. Say, Pastor, what's better than a cup of coffee? Two cups of coffee. Yeah, I love my children. Love my grandchildren. And when you, <coughs> you think about love, it just, it's a smile, like, man, it's enjoyable. Why don't we think about that when it comes to God? Why do people look at loving God? And, <coughs> and I understand that loving God uh, presupposes a, 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 a responsibility to obey him. And we see that as a burden, and it's not. If you look at the story of Scripture and God's commands, it's not one of following hard and difficult directions which are designed to suck the joy out of life. By the way, our enemy has done that. Yep. Well, I can't do that. No, it's loving God. Yep. What a wonderful thing it is to love God. So what do we do? <coughs> We're trying to remove the responsibilities that come with, God, that come with loving God. By the way, if you love somebody and you've made a commitment to them, there are responsibilities you have to fulfill. And you fulfill them because you love them. It's not a burden or, 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 or something that's hard to do. Okay? You know, there was this <coughs> video. I saw part of it. I don't suggest you, you watch it. It's probably made the grounds of this vulgar lady getting up Making some, she made some video about how wonderful life is because she's not, uh, she's not burdened with a husband and she's not burdened with kids. I think she's pushing 50. Look, I don't see kids as a burden. I see them as a blessing. We're, we're missing it. Love is an enjoyable thing. Responsibilities <coughs> come with love. But we enjoy fulfilling those responsibilities because we love the people behind the responsibilities. Think of the things that you do for your family. By the way, ladies, I'll say this. It's not the message, but we'll just throw it out there and see if it sticks against the wall. 
don't look down at these ladies that don't have children. And that, well, you know, I'm my own lady. I don't do all this stuff. And, and you know, ha, ha, I don't have to do all that stuff. And it's like, well, I'm just a housewife. Look, I'm, you're just a mother. Just? What a privilege. You, by the way, you're the hope of this country. Yeah. And, and being a dad, you're the hope of this country. Those kids are, are the hope of a better future, and you're the one that gets to mold their lives. You're the one that gets to spend time and be with them. Listen, if someone wants to knock that and they don't want to do it, that's between them and God, but don't let them put it down. Nothing better than that. Marriage, (coughs) all the different things. If we love God and enjoy his love, we will gladly fulfill any responsibilities that come with that. Because I love him. When I decided as a young person to, to, to get right with God and go 100%, all the things that happened in my life and all the massive changes in my life, it was easy because I loved him. Yep. And I wanted everybody to know it. Secondly, it's not just an enjoyable command. It's an enlightening command. Verse 16 continues. To walk in his ways. The word walk is another way in the Bible to say how we live our life, our direction, what we're doing, how we're going in our life. It's called walking. And he wants us to walk in his ways. He makes it clear that the direction that we should take in life is one of living his commands. And by the way, let me just say this. Life is full of difficulties. Life is full of valleys. (laughs) Life is full of problems. But I'll tell you this, if we live for God, it goes much better. And the thing is this, if we don't live for God, we won't know how to navigate those times. It's amazing how so many of the problems we have are because we don't don't follow God and and we self-inflict and we make things worse. That is why living in accordance with God's word enlightens the path on which we walk. Try walking in the darkness and tell me how that works for you, Right? But if we walk through God's path, we have light and we avoid the difficulties of life. And it helps us to traverse and get through the difficulties of life. Right? Try, I'm sure we've all done this. You get up in the middle of the night, restroom or whatever you're doing, you don't want to turn the lights on, you don't want to wake anybody up, and you hitch, you, 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 you hitch yourself on something. How many of you have ever done that? We have that bed in our room, and it's got the really square corners. And I, maybe I'm just dumb. I don't know how many times I've hit my toes up against the thing, and it hurts. And I'm like, man, it's, all i got to do is just walk and hang a left. What's going on here? I was walking to the fellowship hall years ago. It was, no one was here. It was summer. And I'm like, <coughs> I walked right by the white light switch. I could have flipped it on to get to the other side. I'm like, I can make it. I forgot they had the speakers on the ground like this. And I'm just walking, and next thing you know, I'm laying on the ground. I'm like, what happened? I tripped over the dumb monitors. I'm like, hey, maybe I should have turned the light on. But that's what God's word does. It enlightens us to things, and we don't have to get into the things. Proverbs, uh, Psalms chapter 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. It's a lamp to my feet. It shows me the next steps I should take, and it's a light to my path, and it helps me to see where I should end up at, at the far end. God's commands are good. We think walking in darkness is good. It's not. Next. 
<coughs> I'm hurrying. <coughs> it's an enduring command. He says in verse 16, continuing, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. Keep means to guard, to watch over and protect. What does that mean? God wants us to protect his word? No, 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 that's not what he's saying. <coughs> we need to protect how his word works in our life. We need to protect ourselves to make sure we're keeping his word. And we're not letting anything keep us from continually following God. You know what? You know what kind of commitment we need to make to God? A lifetime commitment. Lord, I am all in and I will be all in forever. I am going to keep your word, <coughs> I'm going to obey it, and I'm not going to let anything push me off. We say it in our, our wedding vows, and most of the time we don't mean it. Tell death do us part. Yeah. That's good advice for Christianity. Yeah. <coughs> I'm in. I'm going to live it for the rest of my days. Nothing is going to push me off of it. There are two words I really love <coughs> in the Bible that pertain to this. I like the word faithfulness. Yeah. Just be faithful. Do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, how you're supposed to do it. The Bible tells us that's hard. Proverbs 20, verse 6, but a faithful man who can find. It is so hard. You know, <coughs> we are so emotional. And we've been taught in our little snowflake world, live by your emotions. Like I say, emotions are great passengers on the bus, but they shouldn't drive. Right? If you always do what look. Say, Pastor, what do your emotions tell you sometimes? You don't want to know. And I'm like, you know what? Emotions, get to the back of the bus. Let me drive. Okay? But our emotions, faithfulness, <coughs> doing what we're supposed to do. Most Christians, they will as long as there's not something else. By the way, thank you for, for being here last Sunday night instead of watching the Super Bowl. I'm not against the Super Bowl. You know, I wish one of our teams would have been in, but, you know, I'm not against it. But I'm not going to miss church for Super Bowl. Well, pastor, why didn't we change our church service? We, we do it in the summer. I know, we do it for fellowship. I'm not changing it to say this football game is more important than church. And I know I'm stepping on your toes, but you can fix your shoes later. Okay? <coughs> that's what DVRs are for, by the way. Okay? That's what that is. But I'm just saying, let's be faithful. By the way, anybody can do that. I'm in. I may not be perfect. I may make mistakes. But I'm going to follow. And then I like the word continue. The word continue. We, that's part of our discipleship. Uh, <coughs> we've been <coughs> going through on Thursday nights. I like Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42. I'll quote it. You can write it if you want to look at it later. But these thousands of people got saved that day, and they got baptized. Look what happened after they got saved. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word, they trusted Christ, were baptized. And the same day... Excuse me, we're adding unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued <coughs> steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Do you notice it wasn't just a one day meeting? They didn't just, okay, <coughs> I met Jesus Christ, I got baptized, good job. They said, I'm part of the group, I'm going to continue. And they went on, and they went on, and they went on. Because salvation wasn't a one day event. It was a life-altering event. So let's be faithful to God. We must be vigilant against anything that would cause us to not do that. You know, we get discouraged. I know. 
If I say, how many have been discouraged? I'm sure all the hands would go up. But we don't let discouragement cause us to make decisions. Some people get bitter. <coughs> Something happens. Uh, there's some tiff between this person or that person. Instead of working on it and getting it fixed, they allow it to fester in their life and it gets bitter. And the thing about bitterness is it doesn't just stay with one person. If I get bitter at Dan, I'm like, it's just Dan. No, I'm going to become a bitter person. It's going to spread to everybody I have contact with. And it'll ruin my Christianity. We get entangled with things that would keep us from God and we grow cold in our heart. Let's keep going, enduring. Number four, <coughs> I like this. <coughs> Not that I didn't like the others. It's an enriching command. Look at verse <coughs> 16 again. He says, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to, to, to possess it. In other words, all these things within the commands that God would wanted us to keep, they had a purpose. He says, that thou mayest. God wanted it to lead to something. You're going into the land. I don't want just you to go into the land and just live there. I want you to go into the land, and I want you to be blessed, and I want to work in your life, and I want everything to go well for you. That's what God wanted for them. There is profit in obeying God's commands. That's what we need to understand. Listen, if you don't follow God, there's things that could come into your life. Yep. Self-infliction. And we don't get through it. But if we're following God, you know, it protects us from so many things. We think of God like this. <coughs> God says do this, and he's waiting for us to not do us so he can get us. Waiting for you. You disobeyed his command. Boom, kick. You know, uh, you're going to get it. Do you understand this? A lot of the commands, if we disobey them, they have built-in consequences. Yep. It's not like God's sin. I hope you do, if you do this, I'm going to punish you. No. He's trying to keep us from the punishment that's built into the disobedience. Yep. And yet we don't understand that. God <coughs> doesn't want us to experience that. God wants us to experience his blessings. It's the greatest thing. The greatest thing you can do in life is to obey God's word wholeheartedly. If you came to me other than salvation, you said, what's the one thing I should do to have the life that God wants me to have? Very simple. Obey everything he says with all of your heart done. Done. Everything else that you need in life will fall within those commands. It's enriching. Now, I must give a warning. Verse 17, it's an ending command. <coughs> he has to give a warning, does he not? He says, but <coughs> if thine heart turn away, so that thou, thou wilt not hear, but thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, that ye shall not prolong your days in the land, whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess. Now God says, let me give you the flip side. This whole thing can come crashing down. This whole thing can come to an end if you don't listen. By the way, if you've read your Bible and you know the history, what happened to them? Well, they went to the promised land, and they got used to God's blessings, and they started disobeying God, and they started following the heathen idols of the land, and what happened? They lost battles. They suffered greatly. They had droughts, famines, you name it. Why? 
Because they disobeyed God. Yeah, they may have done well for a while, <coughs> but once Joshua was off the scene, everything started going sideways. And they suffered the consequences for it. I've been doing this long enough to see people who gain God's blessing by obedience change their mind, go back to maybe the life they lived before, only to see everything go south. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't want to do that. I've seen families that came and God worked in their families and God strengthened their families. <coughs> I could, I've seen marriages that had struggles and struggles and struggles. I could go through many, many, many over the years. And God worked in their marriage. God worked that thing out. They, they were heading a wrong direction, and God changed their direction. And they started serving him, and God was, was working. I've seen many people like that. I've also seen many get off that path. Yeah. Went right back to the problems with their family. Went right back to the problems in their marriage. Went right back to a directionless life. I don't know about you. I don't want that. Yeah. I, I don't understand how someone who can experience something that's good and then settle for something that's subpar. We tasted that God's goodness. Let's keep it. And then it's <coughs> verse, uh, number, verse 19. It's an encouraged command. We'll spend a lot of time on this. He said, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day <coughs> that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now look what he says. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, take the good choice. I want you to have this. I want what's best for you. You see, God is on our side. He didn't just lay out the choice and then say, what do you want? He said, here's the choices, but I'm telling you, take the good stuff. I want you to have the best. Do you understand? God wants what's best for you. Why don't you just trust him enough to follow him? By the way, he's your heavenly father, right? If we have good earthly fathers, you know what they want for us? They want the best for us. Do you know God is our heavenly father, and he not only wants what's best for us, he knows what's best for us, and he's laid out how we can have the best, and he's begging us, please, choose the right path. God wants you to have it. He's encouraging you to have it. And then lastly, it's an exclusive command. Look at verse 20. <coughs> we'll be done. <coughs> that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. And look what he says. For he is thy life. Yep. It's exclusive. You're only going to get that through him. And he wants you and him to have that exclusive relationship. He wants to be your life. God ought to be everything in your life. Let's just lay it out there. Everything ought to revolve around God. You say, well, pastor, so I shouldn't go to work? I should say, no, no, God wants you to work. God wants you to do it. But when you think of your life and the motivation, motivation for your life and, and, and the purpose of your life, it ought to be God. He is your life. What does the Bible say for, uh, uh, for me to live uh, for me to die is gain, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, man, if I, if I die, I go to heaven. He goes, but if I'm going to live, you know what my life is? It's Jesus Christ. Is God your life? 
Is God everything in your life? You say, but what about the other things in my life I've got to take care of? It all goes better. It all goes better when God's the center of your life. He's everything. He's number one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, <clears throat> most people have other things for their life, do they not? <clears throat> most people, their hobby is their life. Well, I'm this. Some people, their job is their life. And by the way, work your job the best you can. You know, if you're going to be at work, be the best worker. If they're going to give raises, get the raises. If they need someone to be promoted, be promoted. But don't make that your life. God's your life. My possessions are my life. I live for my house, and I live and have a house and all that stuff. But don't make it your life. Some people, their sports team is their life. See these nutcases out there, and it's 10 degrees. They got no shirts on, and they got their team's, you know, uh, uh, a logo on their chest. I call that psychotic behavior. Oh, it looks good when they're on television. They don't show you the ambulance, take them to the hospital. Their whole life is wrapped up. You look at, fill in the blank. My is my life. What about Christ? Our life ought to be Jesus Christ. He's number one. By the way, <coughs> all the other things in your life that we worry about, those all fall into line if, if you have the priority right. Now, what do you think today about God's commands? Because it's your choice. But where you end up, <coughs> the results you get are going to depend on the process you take. And the process is very simple. I'm in on what God says. I'm, whole, I'm not going to be half-hearted about this thing. If God says it, I'm doing it. If God wants me, I'm 100% in. Does that describe us today? And by the way, I'm not saying that there won't be fights, right? There's always things trying to grab for our affection. I get it. We got to fight them off. But <coughs> everything revolves around God's commands. That's why it's important that we read his word. That's why it's important that we learn his word. That's why it's important we find out what he wants and we're like, God, if that's what you want, count me in. I'm in. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, if we may. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a minute. Thank you so much for listening. <coughs> it would be a shame <coughs> if God wanted more for your life than you want for your life. And by the way, there's so many things we have to fight, but that's a message for another day. We think we know what's best. We think what we know what will get us to where we want to be. I understand that. But I, I know this. If I just follow God and I follow his word, I'll get there every time. I'll get there every time. You know, I've been following him for a long time now. He's never let me down. I've let him down, but he's never let me down. How is it today? <coughs> Do we see God's words as something that are optional? Do we think we have our own process to get where we need to be? Let me say this. <coughs> when it comes to going to heaven... We only get there by following the path that God's laid out for us. And that path was Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He was placed on the cross. He was buried in the grave and he rose from the grave. And he paid for our sins so that we can know we go to heaven. Let me ask you this this morning. Nobody looking around. <clears throat> Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt whatsoever? If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm here. I'm not 100% that for sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. 
But that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me with nobody looking around? If you put your hand up real quick, I'll, I'll recognize and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that at all? You're not sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. I see your hand over here. Let's all stand together. Maybe God spoke to your heart in the message. If he did, why don't you come to the altar and do some business with him? Maybe we started down the path and we've started to deviate. Let's stay on that path. Maybe you're on the path and you're like, Lord, I just want to <coughs> make sure <coughs> that I stay on this path. 